I want to talk about Jägermeister. Dad, what do you know about Jägermeister? I mean, well, really, all I know, it's got a really awesome stag logo. What, what else do I need to know about Jägermeister? Well, uh, you should know that you've been drinking it all wrong this entire time. Damn, that's cold. There's a right and wrong way to drink it? Yes, there is, Dad. You should be drinking it ice cold at zero degrees Fahrenheit, to be exact. Huh? Well, you know what? That explains a lot. I've just been pulling it straight off the shelf. Oh, Dad, I'm so glad I got to you in time. No, that is entirely wrong. The only way to serve Jägermeister is ice cold. So wherever you're at, if you're hanging out with friends or you're at the bar or you're helping your dear sweet father try and get right, call the shots. Cheers with ice cold shots of Jägermeister. Damn, that's cold. And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume. Imported by Mast Jägermeister US, White Plains, New York. Lots of things go better together. Hockey, food, golf, peanut butter and jelly, Gojo and Golik, Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. What? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Good morning. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Gojo with Mike Golick Jr. That is me. With me, as always, the Lamb of Pod who takes away the sins of the world, Brandon Newman. Brandon, what's going on? Uh, oh, nothing. Just coming off enjoying some AFC North football to lull people to sleep on a Thursday night. It was the perfect sort of golf nap of a game if you weren't careful in the middle. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I had, was... to, I had to start actively writing notes of normal things just to stay awake. I wrote, Amari Cooper, still good at football. Amari Cooper, the most interesting thing I found out about him, I saw him doing an interview on Mark Ingram's Big Trust podcast where he big had trust. this big-ass medallion chain on that said the route runner on it. And I promise I cannot think of a worse nickname to have made bold in diamonds on my chest. I mean, honestly, and also, no one really thinks of you, Amari Cooper, for your crisp route running. Well, I would no, I would say they definitely do, but you when that's so? oh yes, Amari Cooper is a professional route runner, as the people often say. But he's also well-known for drops in key places and disappearing during random portions of the game. It's one of those things where it's just, if that's a nickname or a title that you ascribe to, that's one thing. It's just one of those, like Kevin Durant, who for years has denied the nickname the Slim Reaper. If you were to get that on some sort of chain or medallion, 
cool as hell. Absolutely one of the coolest things that you could do. But yeah. the route runner, uh, again, it's a huge, very ornate looking pendant. It's beautiful jewelry, but I just kept stopping it to see and make sure I was reading it right. And it says the route runner on it, which it's no disrespect to Amari Cooper, who is a phenomenal route runner and has done that so far this season. He also had one of those drops we talk about at the end of this game, but it just yeah. seems like a weird thing to put on jewelry. Okay, well, listen, since you wax poetically about one of my stay-awake notes, one of my stay-awake notes, Geno Smith or Jacoby Brissett? Wow. You know what? I want to get I want to get into more of these because <laughs> we got a great podcast for you guys today. Uh, obviously, we're going to break down plenty of what we saw on Thursday Night Football, including Brandon's stay-awake notes for the late game folks watching on the East Coast last <laughs> night. Uh, we got my dad, Mike Golick Sr., stopping by, Golick and Smetty's very own to help us look at what we got coming up in the rest of the weekend here. We talk about the news surrounding Ime Yudoka, the Boston Celtics head coach, who we recorded that podcast, that portion of the podcast earlier in the day on Thursday. It was later announced that day that Ime Udoka was officially suspended for the 22-23 season by the Boston Celtics. Doesn't really change the tenor of any of the conversation that we had, but felt like worth throwing in there as a detail that that is now official. You'll hear us speak about it from the reports from Woj and Shams and others that talked about it as reportedly. Now it's official. And so we still don't know any more information-wise about what specifically went on. The rest of that conversation applies. We'll take a look at what's coming up this NFL Sunday. Some of the big games on the slate, the Dolphins and the Bills, the Packers and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Excited to get into that with Dad for a little bit. We have some very – this might be one of the more informative this, that, and the thirds that we've ever done at the end of this show. Massive baseball news on the horizon and where to find nukes on college campuses. But, Brandon, <laughs> before we get to any of that – Thursday night football did happen. I commend you for being able to stay awake during the Cleveland Browns 29-17 to win in this game. And Jacoby Brissett or Geno Smith is maybe the most accurate note that you could have about this game because <laughs> I, I, was, I was overwhelmed after looking at some of the notes, so the broadcast was on the Thursday night Amazon Prime uh, broadcast feed with Al Michaels and Kirk Herbstreet. And Sam Schwartzstein, who was a former uh, offensive lineman at Stanford, does a great job helping with the Prime Video Sports and Analytics insights that you see on mm -hmm. some of the alternate broadcasts that you see on the Twitter feed that they've put up here. And if you're not following at PB Sports Stats, really good, insightful stuff about these football games. But to your point, Brandon, about Jacoby Brissett, this was an actual tweet from Sam as part of his Samalytics on tonight's Twitter feed version of this broadcast. He said the player of the game is Mr. Sneaky Jacoby Brissett. Uh, the Browns offense knows who they are, run first. If you need to have a quarterback that stays true to the schedule and doesn't take risks. Jacoby Brissett tonight was 100% rushing success rate with only three of his throws into tight windows. So Jacoby Brissett went out there and did exactly what he was supposed to in this game. And it was made easier by the fact that you had no TJ Watt on the other side here. Jacoby Brissett, when he wasn't under pressure, 21 of 29 for 220 yards in two touchdowns in a game where he only threw and completed 21 balls for 220 yards. So all of his completions came when he was not under pressure. That gets a lot harder with JJ Watt off the field, but yes, Jacoby Brissett returning serve in the quarterback game manager career backups getting starting opportunity contest. 
Man, made made Trubisky look like a real rookie out there. <laughs> Unfortunately, uh, you know what? Speak speaking of rookies and Mitch Trubisky's, one of my stay awake notes in this game. One, if you look at Mitch Trubisky's passing chart in the first half, it is absolute comedy. It is a sketch scatter plot of all his completions that are strictly up the right sideline of the field with a couple on the. Oh. I don't even know if they threw a pass to the middle of the field until you had a couple <laughs> of late completions to Pat Fryermuth, their tight end, during the eventually fruitless uh, attempted a game or a drive where they were down 10 late in the game. They were driving the field and they finally decided to throw it in the middle of the field where the Browns had had two of their starting linebackers injured and out of the game, including Jeremiah Wusu-Koromoa, and finally decided to take advantage of that for a little bit. But Brandon, there's no reason if this is the way the Steelers offense is going to keep operating. And I understand part of it was trying to account for Miles Garrett and Miles Garrett alone. No Jadevian Clowney in this game because of injury. All it was was more what we talked about with Nate. College offense, rolling out right, trying to get him moving away, keeping everything simple and in front of him with a couple of go ball attempts down that right sideline. If you're going to do that stuff, put the rookie first rounder in. Like your Mm. offense is already struggling. You're doing simplistic concepts to try and just keep this thing close to the vest while your defense gets healthy. This would be a great time for your rookie first rounder to just get out there and start learning. I have no doubt Kenny Pickett can go out and do this. And that's no disrespect to Mitchell Trubisky, but that's just where this offense is right now. And so it feels like as we go along here, you can maybe give it one or two games, but looking at what they are doing and what they're attempting, there's no time like the present, man. Cut the kid loose. A lot of people that that, uh, Amazon Prime booth were saying that Mitch Trubisky need to go out there and play for his job. And... Some people are saying he did or did not do so. I love watching a struggling quarterback out there because it just reminds me of somebody in Matt, playing Madden and like putting in on all Madden for the first time, just like working, using the thing that works, like slowly getting down the field. And you'll take whatever the score is at the end of that because you you survived. You survived that game of Madden. You survived that level of difficulty and that slow gameplay because you did what you possibly, what you only could do. And uh, George Pickens, without George Pickens, I, I don't, I really don't know if Mr. Bisky even looks decent. Same way as it without David and Joku, uh, Jacoby Brissett probably has an ass game. Yeah, I mean. For the Browns, this was all about their rushing attack. What you saw on the ground from Nick Chubb, over 113 yards, 171 total for them. Amari Cooper was over 100. David Njoku, nine catches for 89 yards and a touchdown. It felt like they were just screening and tight. He ran that old Jason Witten, just run the hook, sit there and catch a ball thrown straight into your chest. Over yes. and over and over again. So, and listen, Sam's assessment of the Browns is absolutely right. This is a team that right now has to worry about how banged up they are on defense. Anthony Walker, their other linebacker, got taken off after a scary hit in that game. Jeremiah Wusu-Koromoa pulled up running and looked like it was something in his lower body, some sort of mm-hmm. muscular injury that had him over on the sideline. And you already had Clowney out of this in, this uh, game with injury. And a defense that gives it up on the ground. They're a very not good rushing defense right now, statistically. So the Browns have some things defensively to worry about. Offensively, they are who we thought they were. But uh, Pittsburgh on the other side, man, George Pickens. 
I know he had seven targets in this game, technically. That still doesn't feel like enough. The catch that you will all see run today on SportsCenter and every other show that does TV talking about football is essentially like if you took the Odell Beckham Jr. three-finger touchdown catch, Brandon, and then just tilted it even further on the access. He looked like he was – do you remember the – Kansas City Chiefs Tampa Bay Buccaneers Super Bowl when Patrick Mahomes basically threw that pass when he was parallel to the ground falling down getting his ass whooped all game George Mm -hmm. Pickens looked like he was essentially parallel and then turned upside down to catch that ball fading back towards the sideline it was one of the most acrobatic plays that I've ever seen and it doubles down on a theory that I have always maintained because if you watch this game George Pickens walked out there, and I mistakenly read it as long sleeves. He had two of the like basketball arm sleeves on his shirt. Ooh, and then yeah. underneath, you could see after the catch, he had a loose white T-shirt coming out of his pads. Mm. And I've always maintained that if you have players on the field who are either out there wearing no gloves or wrist tape or who are wearing nothing but a loose T-shirt under their pads, that is the most dangerous person on the field. Because that person yes. doesn't give a shit about swag. That doesn't give a mm-hmm. person doesn't give a damn about their own safety in the case of the wrist tape and gloves. That person is just out there to hurt you. And George Pickens, everyone said he's got like a litter of dogs in his chest. He has so much dog yes. in him that it just refuses to stay inside of him. That was the biggest indicator I have seen thus far in his young NFL career. That's a dangerous motherfucker. Hey, when we had uh, we were getting introduced to him during the preseason, and we found out that he was a big anime guy. That's when my antennas went up. I was like, "Okay, we're watching you. Okay, we're watching you." But I'm glad you brought that up because uh, our friend Willie Cologne, who also plays for the Pittsburgh Steelers, or used to play for the Pittsburgh Steelers, he never wore socks, and I always thought that was like one of the most what? savage. He said he liked to feel the spikes under his feet. While he was playing. So my mom famously runs without socks, which I already was like, all right, that's a little bit iffy, but I can allow it. Playing a football game with no socks. One, I don't know how you get away with that under the rules because uniform wise, you have to have the high socks up there. Did he just cut them around his ankle and wear them as like pseudo shin guards? He said he used to get fined until he got until he got his ankles taped at the top, but would get would have a cut off top part of a sock at the top of his taping of his of his spatting. Sa- savvy veteran. <laughs> yes, but oh, but I what what I wanted to mention outside of Miles Jack being off because that that seemed uh, very very serious. I am going to be right about my prediction that Kenny Pickett comes and takes over the helm after Week Four. I think it was going to be like they're playing the Jets that week. But also about this circus catch, which, Mike, I feel like people are kind of being a little bit alarmist. I think it was a little bit, I think it was a great catch, but I also think it was a primetime Thursday night football catch, Mike, where that's the people point. We're kind of, but I'm thinking, I think that adds a little bit more sauce on it. All I'm saying is here's predictions. I think by week eight, we're looking at a better catch uh, that's going to make us forget about this one. You know, it always comes along and like something else makes us forget because hey. this the one the thing that's going against this one, Mike, is it was a, it was it wasn't a, it was just the first down or like you know it wasn't even you know it wasn't a touchdown the way right. Odell's catch was, and I was impressed with it, but it's kind of like. Eh. You know, it was it was cool. It was good. It was it wasn't off the jugs machine, 
But you would expect somebody who catches balls for a living to make that play. Brandon, absolutely not. That play was spectacular. I will be with you in rooting for someone to outdo that play. I would love nothing more than that. But to try and downplay that as somehow routine or a catch that tons of receivers would make is just simply not true. I will not stand for that slander. George Pickens, especially if you hear this, it wasn't Mike Golick Jr. saying anything about the quality of your catch. That was Brandon Jarrell Newman, and you need to come find him. Um... Brandon, do you have any more uh, stay awake notes from the game last night? Because if not, we have to finish with the most important or most, I think, concerning part of this game. Uh, just one, and it was off the very top. Al Michaels is the voice of football. I think it's very. I think it's safe to say, like he just sounds like football. And I was thinking, like the amount of leverage you have walking into negotiation uh, with this new Thursday night Amazon Prime. You're like, uh, yes, I am. The, like, I'm what football sounds like. What you got? What do you, what's, what's the price point? Al Michaels definitely does sound like football, and he has the distinction of at least being the first person in prime time. I don't know if it happened week one or week two for the Browns in their normal window, but the first person, at least that I have noticed, and on a prime time window, so a lot of people are going to notice, to really poorly handle discussing Deshaun Watson in the broadcast booth. Mm. And man alive, Kirk Herbstreet was staying as far away from that conversation as humanly possible. Al doubled back to it and ended up saying, you know, something pretty inappropriate about how if 230 million guaranteed doesn't motivate you to act better than get out. I was was like, yeah, it was, it was all bad. They did not actually say what Deshaun Watson was suspended for 24 or more allegations of sexual assault and sexual misconduct. The review by the league, which basically corroborated four of those and said through a preponderance of evidence that they believed that he had done the things he was accused of in the four cases the league reviewed. None of that made air because, as we said, the surest bet in sports was that broadcast booths would be wholly unequipped to have this conversation and have it in a way that can be done respectfully and to give all of the context to it. So this was the the B-roll. Yeah. The B-roll was was it for it, Mike. While they were doing this. Having this conversation, they just were like finding different black dudes with Lamar. Lamar, uh, oh, okay, Deshaun I messed Watson. up now. But yes, Deshaun Watson jerseys around around the stadium, and I, it, it was even the graphic, Mike, that they threw up, kind of detailing when Deshaun Watson like slowly makes his way back into the building. I mean, he he looked. I'm not, yeah, I'm not, I mean that I, I that that yeah that yeah. that matters a lot less to me. And listen, the rest of it they have they have to lay out the timeline of when Deshaun's going to be back. They gave all the relevant information. Kaylee Hartung did the ad about how as part of his agreement with the league, he's got to go to that therapy. He can only use team massage, uh, team massage masseuses for the rest of his career. But they still ignored the main elephant in the room, and so. I'd imagine they're not going to be the only ones that do that all year, but it was wholly unsurprising in the way that that played out over the course of the broadcast. Um, Thoughts and prayers do go out at the end of this game, though, Brandon. To anyone that had teased the line in this game as a part of, I saw a lot of same-game parlay tickets hitting out there in the internet. Saw a lot of people that had Mm -hmm. had the Pittsburgh Steelers, you know, somewhere around plus 10, plus 10 and a half, because at the end of this game, 
the Steelers went pitchy, pitchy, woo, woo. Like this is going to end up on bad beats with SVP. They went pitchy, pitchy, woo, woo at the end of the game. They tried to throw the ball around on the last play. They had kicked the field goal, failed the onside kick after that, managed to stop the Browns on fourth down, get them to punt it and had, you know, nine seconds left or something from inside their five and threw it around, fumbled it. The Browns recovered in the end zone for that final score of 29 to 17. And whew, buddy. A lot of people hurting big time on the timeline. So if any of you were affected out there, gambling is hard. It can sometimes have catastrophic results. We're sorry. We'll have the pick six later on in the podcast to try and get you right and help make you whole for the rest of the weekend. But a really tough note for some people to end Thursday night on. That's why we're going to try and give you something more to look forward to. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk about the rest of the NFL weekend and the Boston Celtics head coach Ime Udoka being suspended for the season with my dad, Mike Golick Sr. I want to talk about Jägermeister. Dad, what do you know about Jägermeister? I mean, well, really, all I know, it's got a really awesome stag logo. What, what else do I need to know about Jägermeister? Well, uh, you should know that you've been drinking it all wrong this entire time. Damn, that's cold. There's a right and wrong way to drink it? Yes, there is, Dad. You should be drinking it ice cold at zero degrees Fahrenheit, to be exact. Huh? Well, you know what? That explains a lot. I've just been pulling it straight off the shelf. Oh, Dad, I'm so glad I got to you in time. No, that is entirely wrong. The only way to serve Jägermeister is ice cold. So wherever you're at, if you're hanging out with friends or you're at the bar or you're helping your dear sweet father try and get right, call the shots. Cheers with ice cold shots of Jägermeister. Damn, that's cold. And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume. Imported by Mast Jägermeister US, White Plains, New York. Dad, I was just talking to Brandon. It was appropriate that Jake got here. I was just talking to Brandon because um, him and Michelle have had both kids at home recently. And he said that, you know, he was up to his up to his knees and shit there's just stuff going on when you got two kids at home and carter's like old enough to party and i asked brandon if he was prepared for the day when carter like stepped to him and back talked him a little bit and i mentioned what what was the what was the context of the story where jake once told you to step off It, it, it we were he was in the basement working out and i, I went down there something Ooh, happened older as, as, oh oh yeah this was this was high school jake it was, it was something with school which seemed to be the norm as you well know mike um <laughs> with jake uh so i went down you know your mother i'm sure was at her wit's end so i went down to have a talk with him and the talk got a little heated uh to which at one point he said why don't you just step off and <laughs> i was like excuse me <laughs> You want me to step off? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, let me just say the, the conversation took a took a turn at that point. Oh, yeah, that man. was uh, that was rebellious, Jake, for sure. Yeah, well, step I, I off. Was, why don't you just I, step off? I asked Mike if he ever got into like a f you mom and dad state phase, and then he retorted with that with that story, and I was like, ooh, he must have said step off and with quite a tone as well. Oh, he did. He did. I mean, it was would you step off? You know, I was like, I mean, it took, it took me by, by, by surprise, not shockingly because he had never done that. So it was, uh, it was an interesting, uh, an interesting conversation after that. Let's just say. 
That's all I was trying to prepare you for, Brandon, is eventually that day might come, and I want you to be more prepared than Dad was for that moment. I was not prepared for it. I, I did not see it coming. I, I don't know. Listen, this is this may be uh, cultural me bringing up uh, horoscope signs while talking about child rearing, but my, my son is very much a Pisces and him being very emotional and, and, and strong-willed. And, and anyways, I when we were at the, actually the, the subpar classic, I was talking to Trevor and, and Kyle just about Braxton, about child-rearing things. And they were, you know, talking about spanking, not spanking, things things like that. And Kyle was like, looked at me dead in my eyes. You know, he's already so much bigger than me. He was like, you got to make sure you put the fear in them. I was like, what? Right. He was like, he said, just make sure they're afraid. So just now today, he had to, we're, we're in the process of like uh, using the potty diapers and things like that. So he really doesn't like changing his diaper because it's like laying down. He's not a baby anymore. Right. So I was like, get your poopy diaper. Come on, change the diaper. And then he like laid down and said no. And then I gave myself, okay, I'm counting to five. And I, the way he was laying down in front of me perfectly by one, like I felt so good. It was like cathartic. It was, it was weird. It was weird. I, I don't want to chase that. I, I'm, I'm telling, and and they're right. You got to put the fear. And I, I spanked, but only a couple times. You know, like the side of the butt. Um, but, it, but it sent the message for sure. And there, there is an element of because listen, at three years old and parent, it's not a friendship stage. You know, mm-hmm. it's an adult and a kid. You know, and you got to set the parameters. There was one time, and I wasn't, I wasn't young. I was, I was, I was probably, probably in middle school. And me and my brother Greg were outside playing in the yard, and um, my mom was out hosing the lawn. And my mom said something, something, you know, do something. And I said, no. Like, I mean, as soon as I said it, I said, oh, shit. You know, what, what did I just do? And, and she just, she, first she sprayed me with the hose. <laughs> And then she said, get in the house and wait for your father to get home, which, I mean, you know, you see that in all the old school things, wait for your dad to get home. But it was true, you know, and sure enough, I went in and I was like, I'm, I'm, I'm screwed. You know, I'm, I'm done. Um, so I, I'm waiting in my bedroom and my dad comes home. Sure, you hear him and then you basically pee yourself at that point. And my dad comes in and he's like, what did you do? And I told him and he said, Let's go. You're going to apologize to your mother. So he grabs me by the scruff of the, of the neck and we're walking side by side, right? He's, he's taking me by the scruff of my neck side by side to my mother in the kitchen to apologize. Now, Brandon, understand we're coming to a hallway that only fits one person and we're side by side. And my dad kept walking. He walked through the opening and I walked into the wall. <laughs> and then... And then was was proceeded to be by the scruff of the neck taken into the kitchen to apologize to my ma. Yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, clothesline yeah, into the wall. Yeah, my my dad was definitely the the you we were there was the fear, and then obviously it grew into a great friendship with him and all that. But yeah, early on it was it was fear uh, completely with without without question. I I just love the idea of. Carter being at that stage where he doesn't want to be a baby and doesn't want to have someone change what I would give for like the, like not necessarily the diaper changing now because it'd be weird to be butt naked and covered in shit in front of my parents. That would be like a thing that maybe happened drunk when I was in college by accident a couple of times, but Ah. all the rest of what came with it, 
I would absolutely take back in a heartbeat right now. Those are things that you're absolutely going to miss. So Carter and other babies out there, man, enjoy being in the lap of luxury for a while. When you call out, someone comes and changes your poopy diaper. That's not going to happen again until you're way on the other side of the back nine of life. And it's not going to be a fun experience then. I wish more kids were able to enjoy that stuff. You've got some yeah, let me tell you over your parents. I, I know when I need that done in another 20 years, Sydney won't do it for me. Uh, there's no shot. We're going to do and it I like Grandma Kate did to you. We're going to do it with the hose. Spray me with Just the hose. I guarantee you. Spray me with a high pressure hose. It's going to be I guarantee you. There's, there, there, there's people out there right now who already heard me talk about how I spanked you guys and how my dad just did that and think oh, what a bad parent I am because in today's world that just you know that doesn't happen and that's fine. I mean, I I get you know the evolution of everything, but um, uh, I do agree there should be there should be a little bit of fear from that young child uh, to the parent to know you know who who rules the roost. And, you know, it's like, no, 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 we're not having a conversation here. What At this point, what I say goes, okay? <laughs> and it, that'll change when you live somewhere else. <laughs> it is so interesting to think about that because so often parenting gets linked to coaching and stuff. And, Dad, you would appreciate this because I thought of you when I was talking to Mel Tucker on here last week, the coach at Michigan State, yeah. and asked him what it's like going into a locker room now and having to lead with why. And he said it's just that. You don't get to walk in and just dictate anything right. anymore. You've got to bring immediately to the table, this is why we're doing this. This is the benefit that comes on the other side of it. And that part has definitely changed, and that part's not going back. Like, listen, everyone's no. going to have parenting strategies, and as long as you're doing right by the kid, I understand things change. I'm with you. I have plenty of friends that you know don't abide by that. But with coaching, that's one area. And now you're dealing with grown folks and somebody else's kids, and it's just amazing how different, and I, I think for a lot of good reasons, that's become. But it was interesting talking to someone who's dealing with that now as you've got a generation, even more than me and Brandon's, that's predisposed to asking, all right, what's the reason behind what we're about to do in this off-season program or in this Tuesday practice or something like that? Right. So he's someone that that's crossed over to that. You know, me as a parent with you guys, that wasn't around. You just listened to what we said, you know, and, and you did it. But if I went on to be a coach, you know, I'm sure I would be dealing with that as well with players of today. And, and I guess, I guess for me, I, it, it's not that I'm everything old school is right because certainly there's a lot of old school things that change. We talk about this all the time in, in sports and even in life, obviously in parenting as well. But that doesn't mean it's all bad. There are some great new school things that go on from coaching or parenting, and and but I think there's a good mixture. You don't just you don't just poo poo what went on back in the day. There are some good things, good ways to parent and coach, even today. But there were some bad ways, just like every new new age, new wave parenting and or coaching thing isn't always right. I think there can be a, a good mixture of things and, and, and to not just fight one side and say, oh, it's only this way now or, oh, no, it's only that way. I don't think we need to do that. I think you can find a nice well, obviously it both. is conditional, but I, I certain things that people just demand just get removed. I mean, even Ezekiel Elliott, when we were talking to him this week, and I know you guys talked to him on Golik and Smeddy as well, he said, yep. talking about the chip block, he said, uh, he said it's legal yeah, yeah. until it's taken out of the game, right? And it's like, oh, like that yep. that's, that flip has to be switched so often with football players, and we're so used to just things just being completely eliminated and taken away from the game. So with that and kind of talking, thinking about kids and youth league and all the stuff's going on right now at this time of year, football around the country, 
Tommy Reese recently got memed a lot because he was kind of inspiring Drew Pine in a way that, you know, gets mocked yep. a lot in, the, in popular he was, football He culture. was motherfucking yeah, him, and it got caught yes. on national yes, TV. Yes, 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 yes. He was right. MFing so, him on the phone during the game, and it got caught on national so TV. So recently, I just went to a youth league game, my buddy, and he and he's coaching a, a bunch of 10-year-olds. And he's kind of MFing them, too. And I'm sitting there with my two-year-old, and I'm like, like Hmm, like, am I going to feel a type of way eight years from now if he's, you know, Carter's in the huddle and he's getting MF by the coach or if that's just football? So do you think that will ever get eliminated from the game? No, I don't think that'll ever get eliminated from the game, but I think it'll get hidden more. You heard Tommy uh, explain that. I, I heard him in his presser saying, listen, some guys need to be coached certain ways. And he's right. Some guys need to be yelled at. Some guys need to be kicked in the butt. Some guys need to be patted on the back. You know, and he said Drew responds to this type of coaching. As as I've talked about with this, and I, I forgot, you know, you do so many of these, you forget where. But as I said, that's not the first time Drew Pine has heard Tommy Reese swear at him. Okay, no one should go. Oh my God, what are they doing? I guarantee you, Mike, you've been in practice. We, we've been in practice. That's what goes on there, right or wrong, whether you like it or not. That's what goes on there. So that was just coaching then. What Tommy said was, he goes, I'm, I'm basically, he was, he was saying, I think between the lines is it's a shame I got caught on tape saying it because now what's going to happen. He knows that camera's up there and now he knows what happened. He's going to take that game plan and he's going to cover his mouth when he's on the phone and, and he's still going to MF him. Um, but he, but he's going to cover his mouth, you know, just like coaches cover their mouth, calling the play. So you can't read the lips of what the play is. Tommy will do that up there now. So you don't hear him motherfucking him. Um, you just hear, you just know he's yelling at him, but you won't see it now. So that's, that's the only thing that's going to change. Don't think there's going to be some, oh, the light has been seen now and a coach gets caught in that and all of a sudden is, is going to start coaching differently. Well, I would listen, I would say this, Tommy's still a young coach. And so the thought that yes. eventually that may not be the way that he communicates with a player oh, it's possible. Is, not something yeah. I would, is not something I would discount. Because the one thing I would say, and the one thing that we've seen disagreements pop up on in the past, and I'm not saying that this was Tommy's intent, because this is a little bit different. And maybe it's not. Maybe they you've got the camera up there, but the notion of when we've seen in the past a player, uh, you know, a coach showing up a player on the sideline or grabbing right. his face mask or something yeah, like that. Yeah. That especially now, I thought about it more through the lens of recruiting, since everyone's so obsessed with that. And how this plays to people that are watching that that aren't there. Because that's the one tough part about all of this is it's such a public spectacle that, yeah, I have no doubt. Listen, Harry Heastand, who's there now, is my O-line coach. That guy coaches hard as shit. You don't get to yep. see it all the time in that same way. And so that's something that happens in the room and on the field there. And it's something that you understand because he's invested in you the same way that Tommy is invested in Drew Pine and that you see right. every day. The trouble with all this tends to be the outside world isn't privy to all of those moments where you've built up that relationship to where you can communicate honestly like that. And so that's the thing I always worry about is, is that something other people use against you? And is that a reason why Tommy eventually, and most coaches eventually, kind of shy away from that, especially now, just because recruiting is such a cutthroat game and this stuff 
can be used against you when it's potentially out there like this. That was the only thing I worried about. It wasn't that Drew can't take hard coaching, and it wasn't that I think Tommy's an asshole and that he doesn't care about Drew. That's the furthest thing from the truth. But it's just, again, the outside world lacks the context that we all get, and so these things just end up getting passed around. So along those lines, because I agree with you, the outside world would see that and be aghast and go, oh, my God, where it's the norm to all of us. So that's why I don't know how much it would, as far as recruiting, because players are in that. Even in high school, that kind of coaching goes on. So I would think a player is less shocked to see that if there's a fan that watches that and goes, oh, my God, but a player is watching that and going, oh, yeah, man, he's getting on good. I remember when my coach did that to me or whatever. But you just see that publicly. So, But I agree with you that, he is young, and, and that may subside over the years. But I don't think because of that one incident, I don't think we're gonna we're not going to hear Tommy Reese, if, if I go to a practice, hear him swear at practice or hear him swear into the, uh, you know, from the coach's box anymore. I just think he's going to be a little more discreet about it and covering his mouth. So I, I completely agree that the fan is not used to that kind of treatment from coach to player. But I think, I think most time players see that. Laying hands on is different. Grabbing the face mask, grabbing the shoulder pad, shoving a guy, something like that. That, that went on in my day, and it was even looked upon like, wait a minute, you lay your hands on me, we're going to – man, I remember Buddy Ryan when I was with the Eagles, and we would fight all the time. And he told the coaches, he said, listen, if you want to get into it, go ahead and you can get into it as well. But understand, if you do anything physical to a player, they're going to do something back to you, and you have to know that. Now, Buddy was a little different, <laughs> and you know, it, it wasn't the it wasn't the best climate all the time. Um, but but I just think so. I think the physical aspect of that, you know, is gone. But the rough language, man, it's just words. I, I they, they've never really affected me like that. So I, I, I it, it did nothing for me. No, and nothing. I think what it's something I had no like, issue with it. And I think what it's something like that, because we've seen plenty of instances and you can go back and look at like the Mark Mangino era at Kansas, where that was defined right. by some terrible cross the line things that words get said. And I think that's yes. it. Most of us around college football and around sports in general know there are actual terrible things that happen. And someone just getting on you hard because of what happened at a play hardly ends up being that situation. Right. By the way, right. speaking of Notre Dame, did want to bring up and shout out. I know you and Jess talked about it the other day on the podcast. Golik and Smetty going to be doing a live podcast Friday before the Notre Dame and Stanford game in October. What is that, October 15th? You guys are going to be at O'Rourke's? Uh, the game is the 15th, though. October 14th, the Friday. We're going to wait till after the pep rally, which is usually at 6 till about 6.30, quarter to 7. And it's 7.30 at O'Rourke's, which is one of the uh, restaurant bars right, right across the street, right, right at campus there. Uh, Mike, where you and I and uh, we we did a show there. Uh, uh, one, it was great. We did one of our morning shows there. We had a, we had a ball uh, doing it. So we're going to do it live seven thirty Friday night before the Stanford game. Um, we're going to do a live show. I know Mike, you'll be out there, so you'll be a guest on. Oh, you know, you probably have to leave already. That's right. You'll yeah. be calling a game, right? That's right. So you probably won't be there, but yeah, we're going to have a ball. That's going to be. Uh, that's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to we're going to do some tailgating and stuff the next day, and uh, we'll have a lot of fun with that. Yeah, so if you're in South Bend for that weekend, Golik and Smetty are going to be out in full force Friday and Saturday there. I'd imagine you guys are going to be drinking during that show at O'Rourke's, right? This is a little different than when we had to go on live radio. Like, I remember the, my one of my favorite days of radio that we ever did was when we went to Columbus to do the show, and we did it from uh, – <laughs> 
was it like a Gordon Beersh? I forget. Or no, it was a Hofbrau house that we did in Columbus. And we were waiting the whole time. That place was packed. It was five o'clock central. It started because it was in Ohio. And when we got there at 4 a.m., the place was already packed and they were already serving booze. And so we get to 945, we get to the last segment of the show, and these guys had been catcalling me the whole time. They're like, come over and do a shot with us. So I went over and did a shot before the last segment of the show. And then as soon as we finished the show, we were sitting right in front of the bar, and Dad just turns around, yells, beer me. And they bring over two mugs for him and Trey because they hadn't gotten to have anything yet. And everyone's yelling at him to chug. And it was the proudest that I have been of my dad as an adult. (laughs) He goes up there and absolutely deletes this beer as Trey. God love Trey. Trey, very good. Very good at some other things that'll get you feeling good. Yeah. But chugging beer, but not, not necessarily chugging beer. his dad. His bag. Dad went out there, deleted that thing, belched for the entire crowd, and let everybody know it was as primal a moment as I've ever witnessed for you, Dad. I, I mean, the amount of alcohol we drank in the first fifteen minutes. Remember, we had the shot skis. People were, we had the yes. shot skis. About about a four or five uh, the shot glasses on the skis. We were doing those with the fa- man. That was a lot of fun. But yes. There'll be, even though this is a live show at O'Rourke's, you know, I'd imagine there'll be some drinking. We'll see if DraftKings is really going to be, you know, want to deal with that. But, you know, oh, you know what I'll do? I'll ask for forgiveness rather than permission and just kind of have at hey, it. Before we get out, seems like the right before we change gears off of antics in bars in Columbus and coaches putting their hands on players, can Urban Meyer come back and actually take over this uh, Nebraska job? Like, or, or this all. Oh, Urban Meyer is going to come back so? to college, yes. I, oh, I, so absolutely. His, his remarks absolutely. recently uh, was that I'm happy what I'm doing right now. I'm happy at Fox. And I was like, isn't that what he said right before he took the Ohio State job? Oh, he's going back. And I don't even know if it'll be Nebraska. We know every year there's good there's good jobs that open up. Why would he commit to something right now? He'll be so sought after. Um, because what he says publicly and what his agent is doing privately are probably two different things. He'll never coach in the pros again, nor should he. That was, that was horrific, but listen, he was a, and he had some of the issues in college as well, but he won. I mean, that dude won at Utah, that dude won at Florida, that dude won at Ohio state. He'll win again in college. Now, what, what, and, and. There's a difference of coaching professionals in the NFL and doing some of the, the shit he did where, you know, these guys, man, are like, uh-uh, you know, we ain't playing that bullshit. You know, we're in college, he's coaching 18 to 22-year-olds. The interesting part of it may be when he sits in, a, in the living room of the 18-year-old's parents, you know, and, and they have some questions about some of his actions, though some may say, listen, you know, some may say privately, Listen, this guy gets kids to the NFL, and that's where I want my kid to go. He's not going to coach my kid in the NFL, but he can get my kid to the NFL. And that's what I talk about when you talk about, you know, the, the top recruits that are going after and such. That's what these recruits are looking for, a great school to go to where I can play, maybe win a championship, but mainly get to the NFL. And Urban can coach you there. I mean, so he's going to coach. If he wants to coach in college again, he's going to coach in college again. An NFL team just gave Deshaun Watson the highest guaranteed contract in the history of the sport because they are so concerned about being good. There will always be someone desperate enough to go to a person whose morals we all don't agree with. And I wouldn't, if if I, if I'm a parent probably wouldn't want urban Meyer coaching my kid based on what we've seen and known, but we know that so many of these schools, schools like Nebraska, who are so desperate to be good again and be back in the place that they thought they can be. 
will absolutely turn to I, this I knew guy. fan. So, yeah, I absolutely I, – I agree with you completely. I knew fan bases were okay with coaches, you know, messing around with women. We can get to the Boston Celtics if you want to uh, later on. But uh, yep, yep. I didn't think that they'd be okay with the whole – Kicking a play, kicking a kicker. I thought there was a line drawn there, but apparently you're right. It's like as long as they're winning games, but they weren't winning games. They're gonna win. And, and I'm not saying I'm not saying it's right, but that's how the sport right, exactly. operates. And to act we're surprised just telling you, by how this sport operates. Yes. Yeah. We don't get a say in this. We're just telling you what we think is gonna happen. And there'll be a school desperate enough, and and as soon as he signs somewhere, they're gonna get some top level talent that are going to go there because that kid and the kid's parents are going to say, this dude is going to get me where I want to go. And, you know, that that's all I'm concerned about. It will be interesting if and when that does happen, if Urban, because this was the first time in the pro job, even I said beforehand, he gets the benefit of having adjusted everywhere he's been because he had those right. gap years in between programs, some of which were tied to the circumstances that he left under. But he always, especially when he would go take these TV jobs, would kind of sit back and adjust what he would come back and do offensively, kind of help modernize his approach. I wonder if especially now, with everything in name, image, and likeness at the transfer portal, if he's going to be able to manage it in the same way. Because Jacksonville was the first time he failed to adjust to the surroundings where he was. And number one, shot in the pride. A lot of that was a very bit of big bit of public embarrassment. Everywhere else, he had left the program somewhat in different positions and different levels of right. shame between what went on at Ohio State with the receiver coach. Obviously, a lot of the off-field impropriety tied to uh, Aaron Hernandez and the Florida program. In Florida, right. But this one was, you know, that was players and coaches under his watch. In Jacksonville, it was him. It was fully him in the spotlight. Yeah. And now we hear all the time from these older coaches about how much shit's changed in college. That would be the one part that I'd be interested in to see. And again, Dad, to your point, we're going to get a chance to see it at some point. Oh, yeah. It's just going to be a matter of when. But um, Brandon yep. brought up uh, what's going on in the NBA. And we've got, you know, we'll, we'll get to some NFL stuff in the show today. Dad, you're calling games for Westwood one all fall. I'm very interested in what your takeaways were getting to see Tampa up close at the beginning of this season, what you've got coming up this weekend and, and a couple of the other games around there. But this Ime Yudoka story with the Boston Celtics, it has been fascinating how quickly we've started to kind of chew this up in the news cycle for anyone that's missed it. Um, the Boston Celtics head coach, Ime Yudoka is likely facing an, in, uh, a suspension for an entire year for his role in an intimate relationship with a female, mem- female member of the franchise's staff. Sources told ESPN on Thursday. Now, this was first reported by Shams over at um, over at the Athletic, and basically, and I want to get the verb, the verbiage of this right because the way it's phrased is at the center of all of this. Yeah, Shams' first report said Ime Udoka had an improper, intimate, and consensual relationship with a female member of the team staff. Sources told the Athletic, and. I guess the first thing for me here, guys, is, Dad, were you surprised at all by what the punishment supposedly sounds like for this? We don't know a ton about this situation, but one common refrain I've heard from a lot of people is, you have seen CEOs at other companies. You have seen, I believe there was a uh, member... uh, member of the executive office for the Minnesota Timberwolves who was fired for a similar offense not too long ago. Were you surprised that this was a one-year suspension for something that in some other places will get you flat-out fired for 
having a relationship like that in the workplace where we know there are power balances, you're a you know employee and a high ranking employee in that organization with a position of power. Was any of that surprising to you? Well, I mean, there, there's a couple of sides to look at because you look at when you see this on Twitter, you get immediate reaction from everybody. And, and so much of the reaction was at first, these are two consenting adults. If they want to have a relationship, so be it, you know? He's got to worry more about, you know, I know he, he was in a different other relationship, yes. you know, so that that's his private life. Okay, so that's him. He's got it. It's kind of like the Urban Meyer with, with the woman at the bar. You know, my thought was, okay, well, to me, that's the personal thing between him and his wife. To me, the egregious part from the sports side was he bailed on his team after the game where everybody went back after, because I called that game, uh, Jacksonville in Cincinnati. Yeah. I called it for Westwood One. And he stayed behind. That never happens. A coach never stays behind unless it's some family emergency and going to a bar isn't a family emergency. So my thought was, well, that's between him and his wife. The part of him leaving the team and dusting them was was unbelievably egregious from the sports angle. The other is a personal life. So I heard a lot of people saying, wait a minute, if it's a, if it's consensual and they're adults, so what? You know, that they should be able to do what they want. And he, he'll deal with that in his personal life if he's dating someone else or married or, or whatever a situation might be. Now, the issue is it's a it's an organizational rule. That, that you know about, unless he's going to come out and say, I didn't know, you know, like a George Costanza. If I would have known it was wrong to sleep with someone on the staff, you know, I wouldn't have done it, you know. And But that that's known, that's known to be a rule. So you knowingly broke that rule. Um, so, I mean, it, it's, you know, there's going to be some, some penalty for it. In all honesty, Mike, I was surprised it was a year. I didn't think it would be that that much. I didn't think it would be a complete, you know, because again, it was wrong. It was consensual. So we're not talking about sexual assault or anything even worse than that. This was a consensual with two adults that consensual with two adults that went on. So in all honesty, I was kind of surprised at how, how stiff the penalty was for this, though this could be the organization saying, listen, this is a, a serious rule for us. You bust this rule and you know what? Sorry, you, you're going to pay the price. So, you know, that, that, that's something that, it, it, as you mentioned, at other places you get fired for it. So it's a rule that is taken very, very seriously. So, you know what? You broke it. You did the crime. You got to do the time. It was interesting to me to think about that because on one side, you could say it's a show of severity. On the other side, and I saw people wondering, is this so they don't fire him right now and he can go take a job with another team this mm. season? There were people speculating about that. I even wondered on the side of, hey, why didn't, you know, people were wondering why they didn't fire him. I said, well, because he was a really good coach. Like if he had yeah. been a really yeah. bad coach and the Celtics team had finished the season the way they did in the first half, maybe Gone. they're talking about letting him go. But I'm right. not going to act surprised when organizations base their punishment decisions but of how good you are and how important you are yes. in the organization. And that was something because th my biggest takeaway from all this is there's got to still be a lot that we don't know. Of course. Because for what we have heard reported and what is happening as far as the punishment that's being reported right now, to me there's a disconnect somewhere in the middle of exactly how this went down. And that to me is the biggest problem I've seen with so much of the reaction is I feel like we're skipping a lot of steps in this. Because so many people have been quick to try and jump and say, well, 
why are him and Robert Sarver receiving the same punishment of a year ban for what they've done here? I saw people compare this to why are we talking about this so much and not Brett Favre? Why did he get suspended this much? But Deshaun Watson's only suspended three quarters of a season. And my response is, why are we reaching for all of these things to talk about how bad this is? Things that are so different. That was my, like, I understand the intent is to say, this is extreme and look at these other areas where sports hasn't done enough, but there's too many differences. You want to talk about apples to oranges comparisons in a lot of this. These are different leagues that we're talking about. This is in the case of Brett Favre, the judicial system that's dealing with the fraud situation going on in Mississippi right now, and the lack of information in all of this, like... Ime Udoka is being punished by the Boston Celtics for their rules. What we saw with Robert Sarver was the NBA charter. That wasn't even collectively bargained. That was the charter written by the owners in that league. Deshaun Watson was punished by a collectively bargained process in the NFL in a different league. All of these, Brett Favre, detailed reporting about what he had done and the process that he had been a part of with that fraud. Robert Sarver, detailed reporting by Baxter Holmes at ESPN with what had gone on there in an NBA investigation. Deshaun Watson, detailed reporting by Jenny Ventress and a bunch of other people and an NFL investigation that went into all this. And with Ime Yudoka, we don't even know exactly what happened inside of this. And for people to try and reach and compare it to penalties under different formats in different leagues when like I understand why we do this we did it with Deshaun Watson but we did it with other cases that were at least under the umbrella of domestic violence and a sexual assault in the league that were under the same conduct policy that this was being judged by you're looking at different places with different metrics for how they do this and then asking all sports to somehow have the same bar for how they go and play judge jury and executioner in an area they're already ill-equipped for that was the part there I was just like I and I understand it's out there. We're going to talk about it. But, man, we got to slow down. I understand the intention behind those comparisons, but I don't think it's helpful here. I, I Listen, I completely agree with you. I mean, to when, when you start comparing, as, as you mentioned, when something is, is disciplined by the league, disciplined by the team, disciplined by the authorities, where the Brett Favre situation is going, you can't do it. You, you just can't do it, but people want to. Um, my... My view I just gave right now is based off the information we have right now. Yeah. That and that's all I can do. Now, if the information changes, then my viewpoint may change on it because I I think I agree with you that there may be more out there. But in this day and age, and, and you know I say in this day and age because you know things grow over time and change over time, and this kind of behavior it, it's it's almost in every industry out there. Like I said, there are so many people that will say. It should have no effect. They're consenting. They should be able to do what they want. But these these uh, these uh, uh, companies have rules. You know, whether it's in sports or whether whether it's the real world. In my air quotes, uh, they have rules. And these are these are there are some rules that are going to bring down a lot more thunder than others. And this is one of them. But also to your point, if they finished last in the conference last year and they brought back this coach for some reason, he'd be gone. I guarantee you, he'd be fired. We know there's a hierarchy. There absolutely, there is an absolute hierarchy. Every players know in the locker room. That's why you know when you hear the old story and Jimmy Johnson is coaching the Cowboys. When if if there's a backup, whatever falling asleep, he gets he gets uh, you know uh, cut. If there's a starter that fell asleep, you just you know ask him to try and stay awake during the meeting. I mean that's just it's the way it is. That that's not going to end. So I but but I 
my viewpoint is based solely on the information we have and is subject to change if more comes out. Because I agree with you, Mike. I well, think more is going to come out. Obviously, all these rules are put in place to protect people in some way or another, right? An organization, a group of people, individuals. Yeah. This individual situation, you talked about how the fact that Ime Yudoku could probably go get another job, you know, tomorrow, right? Because he is so good. And that's why it's so interesting that it's so steep because it feels like there might be some embarrassment from Brad Stevenson or, or whatever's going on there. But my thing is this young lady who was in, in this relationship, I imagine she might love this job more than she loves him. And I don't know if she's going to be protected. And I don't know if she can walk around and get another job. Well, Go ahead, Mike. And, and that's why so much of these rules are in place, because we also know yeah. women are not treated fairly when these kind of right. stories come up. Right. Here. You already saw people trying to circulate pictures of who they thought it right. might and be. I saw, I in saw the what, she, what does she look like and how irresponsible. Yeah, I, I saw what does she look like? Like it matters to the, the grand scope of all this thing. Like, you know, like people want to justify him cheating on Nia Long because it's it's salacious in the story. But I mean, with this going on, Adam Levine, all these things colliding all at once it's just it's yeah. so wild right now well but like it but like that's a great way to frame the story like adam levine is guilty of running around or tech you know if you take him at his word just sending messages he shouldn't have to people if you look around long enough on the internet maybe it's worse than that right. i don't know but that's again dad to your point like that was going back to like tiger woods that was his yeah. house. When Tiger Woods had the press conference to apologize for all that, felt like the weirdest thing on earth. Because what are you apologizing right. to you us for? Your to infidelity them. has right. nothing to do with how I right. consume you as an actor. Exactly. And that's the yep. same with Adam Levine. I could care less. I listened to songs about Jane going to the gym today. That <laughs> album bangs. Maroon 5 is great. And I'm not going to yep. stop listening to them. We have actual monsters in music. We just did the R. Kelly shit. For the last oh, number right. of years. That man's going yeah. to hell with gasoline drawers on. And so if you don't yep. listen to Remix to Ignition now, I understand that. But with Adam Levine, that's his house. With this one, it is different because it is an employee. It isn't, you know, it, right. it sounds like in this case, probably someone who has the head coach of the Boston Celtics. You're in the pecking order above a lot yeah. of people. And yes, the danger are. and the power imbalance and that the power struggle, between yeah. a man and a woman in the way people treat this on the outside is exactly, Brandon, to your point, why these rules are in place to begin with. And I and I get the rule, absolutely, because what, what is going to happen to her? Because will her name ever become public? Well, I'm sure within the organization, a lot of people know who it is. Um, what happens to her job? How is she perceived? So, yeah, you get why the rule is there, um, but uh, I... I, I I guess at the end of all this, it sounds like he'll be suspended for the year and we'll see. I guess we just have to wait and see if more comes out. Maybe this is it. Maybe it's it's as simple as this is our rule and you broke our rule and you're in a power position. So, sorry, dude, you're sitting and you're going to sit for the entire year. That's, that's how meaningful. Because what if, what if this happened? And, I mean, because I guess you're damned to do and damned if you don't, right? What if they suspended him for the first week of the season? Then everybody's losing their ever-lover mind saying, wait a minute, this guy's in a power position, even though it's consensual. I mean, it's within an organization where it's against the rule and he gets a week. So, you know, which obviously is, we don't think is going to happen, but you have to look at both sides of it. So I think nowadays you're going to get companies coming down stronger, you know, than maybe they would have in the past, but still maybe not strong enough if there's a good player, a good coach, 
a good GM, a good president, whatever, whatever the situation may be, how good you are at something may come into play with how, how much you're disciplined. Yep. And I want to act like that's unique to sports, but I think it's no. especially prevalent in sports just because we put so much time and focus on this stuff and because right. the roles are a little bit different. So the NBA playoffs are heating up and so is the action on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And now that the Boston Celtics have slayed the boogeyman in the Miami Heat, Boston fans, we feel a little bit more confident about the situation. You can decide right now, and if you're new to DraftKings, you can also check this out. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code GOJO. That's code GOJO for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21-plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Like you said, we have a lot more to learn on that story, and so I'm going to pause before we say too much on it yeah. and get us to some football this weekend because, Lord yes. God Almighty, it's week three in the NFL, and we're very excited for it. And... Dad, uh, you're doing Sunday nights this week, uh, this year yep. for Westwood One. So you guys have San Fran at Denver this week, right? Yeah, San Fran at Denver in Denver. Um, uh, Jimmy G is is back now. Listen, I thought Jimmy Garoppolo at some point was going to play. Whether it was because because sometimes you just don't finish a season, you miss a couple of games because of injury, or your or if, if Trey Lance played bad. I thought Jimmy G. I thought it was it worked out very well for San Fran that he ended up staying there and redoing his deal for the team because I think of everything as from a former player's standpoint and how it affects the play. And I tell you what, I, I don't think anybody is happy that Trey Lance got hurt, but there is definitely a comfort level that those players in that locker room have with Jimmy Garoppolo that they did not have with Trey Lance. They just didn't. Trey hasn't played enough. Trey hasn't been in the battles enough. Trey hasn't led this team to a Super Bowl. Trey may, we all hear about Trey Lance. He has a high ceiling, and he very well may. He may. But uh, the term is used a lot. You only get, you only get so many bites at the apple, you know? And San Francisco was playing with virtually a rookie quarterback this year with a really good team. Really good team that could maybe do something because tell me the NFC team that's running away with it right now. You know, I don't know who that's going to be. I know Philly's playing really well right now, but nobody is really head and shoulders above everybody else. So there's a comfort level those guys are going to have with Jimmy Garoppolo that's going to give them a little bit of kind of kind of exhale to say, okay, we have a guy who's won for us and has taken us to the Super Bowl, and we have a pretty good team. Is there mm -hmm. anything to the fact that they're growing comfortable with a situation that isn't going to win them a Super Bowl because there's something to be said of the growing pains with this high ceiling that Trey Lance possibly could have had at the beginning part of the season that matters a little less to most people right now and kind of work the kinks out before the games actually start mattering because we've seen what Jimmy Garoppolo can do. So I think in a, when they were getting their minds ready for a rebuild, they were 
getting ready to be uncomfortable and now they might get back into a position where they're comfortably no longer in competition and obviously they always make it or not always but they make it to the NFC championship game so much you can't even say that they're out of competition but there is something to that there's a reason why they wanted Trey Lance to start oh you know the reason they wanted one of the reasons they wanted to start because a GM and a head coach traded up to get him there's egos involved in here as well you know and then that's one thing that I was going to wonder about if Trey had struggled at what point would those guys have made a move to Jimmy Garoppolo and for the rest of the locker room or because of ego said, we traded up to get this guy. He's our guy. He's going to be it. He's going to be that guy. We're going to leave him in there to do it. Um, And you're right about the rest of the team because that's what they were given. Their scenario was Trey Lance is your quarterback. Not there's going to be a competition. Hell, they were trying to get rid of Jimmy Garoppolo. Save for the shoulder surgery, he probably would have been traded somewhere. So they, it wasn't a, hey, you might have one or the other. It was Trey Lance is your quarterback. So that's the mindset that you're going to get into as a team. Okay, so now we got a guy who has been in the league a year but hasn't played a lot. There's going to be some growing pains. Defense, we may have to step it up a little more. Running games, probably going to have to be a little better while Trey is learning. And you're right. We hope that our everybody was right and the ceiling is high. But there's still some unfamiliarity, some a little bit of uncomfortableness of the fact that we think we could do something now, and how is he going to progress? And now the shame is we still don't know. We still don't know. And now he's going to miss the rest of the season. He's going to rehab for a long time, and he's going to come back, and he's going to get a chance to be the quarterback again, most likely, though it will be very interesting if Jimmy Garoppolo, after taking, you know, Basically redoing his deal from 25 mil to what, six and a half million with incentives? If he has a great year, now what do you do? What do you do if he takes them two rounds into the playoffs? What if he takes them to the NFC Championship game? What what do you do? I mean, do you still say, "Ah, we're going with Trey? I think they probably will because where they drafted him. But uh, Jimmy could make it a really, really interesting conversation. You know what? I've said that a bunch, and then just hearing it back now, I realized Jimmy's done all that shit before. Why wouldn't yes. they replace him? They already replaced him once. They yeah, did it in the most right. painstaking right. way possible. And so short of, right. win, short of winning the actual Super Bowl, I, I think you're right. I don't think there's anything Jimmy can do that would nope. get you that job back because then again, financially, and we've talked about this a bunch, you got two years to make that decision on the fifth-year option or what you're going to do with Trey. It right. behooves you very much to find that out. And so, yeah, Jimmy Garoppolo, if he wins the Super Bowl, now this all of a sudden might be hard. But I don't think anything short of that's really going to do it. And for the rest of this team, yeah, it's one of the better rosters top to bottom in the NFL when healthy. George Kittle's been off the field for the first couple of weeks of the season, their star tight end. But, Dad, I also want to look at the other side because Denver's been one of the more fascinating dumpster fires to start the season this year. They have. And outside of – Outside of cringy Russell Wilson doing cringy Russell Wilson things, what we've seen from Nathaniel Hackett so far, does that make it hard if you're a veteran in that locker room to go and buy into all those things, to look at a coach who has, I think, made a bunch of very public mistakes and big moments in these games? And is it hard to look and then take direction as you go into this season now? What's that process? Listen, and and, and as I've been preparing for this game and and obviously talking to people and, and reading things as well, coming from the team, Hackett has been like one of the first ones to say, I've got to do better. He already, I mean, on that, that situation with the 64-yard field or, or field goal or let 
uh, Russell Wilson go for it on fourth and five in the first game. He already said he made a mistake that, that he should. I mean, that was one of those. I, I know we talk about the world of analytics, but I don't know in what world you choose a 64-yard field goal over a – and this isn't, you know, some some slappy, you know, first-year quarterback, some guy that's a Hall of Famer who's done this so long. I, I don't even know how that was a decision. So he got that wrong. And he basically what he, he's, he's been saying is he needs to make his decisions quicker, and he's not. If you look on their roster of coaches, I mean, they have coaches that are called strategists. So, I mean, they, they have like a – like. And you start to wonder at some point, are there too many cooks in the kitchen? You know, especially on game day. If you want to have all these conversations during the week as you're game planning, if this comes up or that comes up, we want to do this. But if that discussion is going on in real time, now you're losing time in making the decision you want to make. These decisions have to be made. You know, if you're at the 50-yard line or, or in plus territory and it's, you know, third and eight, you got to already let the let whoever's making the decisions. Hey, if we get it to third and four or less, we're going for it. So plan accordingly. You know, you got to have those decisions made. And and he said he's not making them fast enough. And that's one of the biggest things he has to change. And listen, no first time head coach comes in ready made. You know, everyone who was a first time head coach at some point, and they're going to make mistakes. But it does seem like and and listen. His dad coached for a long time. He comes from a coaching family. He's been around this game a long time. So I think there is a little bit of surprise of, oh, wow, you know, when the moment is is upon him, it's it's kind of getting him right now. And hopefully he's learning from that. And it's only two games in, so I, I, I'm not ready to, certainly not ready at any, 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 any sense to write him off. But it has been somewhat surprising. I'm, I like hearing that he's taken responsibility for it. Shouldn't have made that one decision. I need to make decisions faster, whether that's not listening to everybody right away, us discussing it, but, you know, during the week or before the game or however it's going to work. But that's all got to come faster. I mean, I think the expectation when when Russell Wilson went there was instantly, here you go. You know, now that, that this is one of the reasons the AFC West on paper is considered the best division. I still think top to bottom uh, it is, but it's not like they didn't have other issues. You know, even though John Elway spent years trying to find a quarterback after uh, Peyton Manning, they have other holes as well. And then when you get, you know, when you get Russell playing bad like he did the last game, that certainly isn't going to add to it. To your point, Mike, I, I, I don't. Well, like, because I look at other stuff, it's also like the decision making. It's also shown up. They're one of the most penalized teams in football right now. I think they're near the top of the NFL in pre-snap penalties. All these things that are sloppy play that usually, and part of it you might be able to write off to the beginning of the season now is a little bit more like a preseason because of the way the offseason structured, because of the way training camp structured, and all of those very real things. But those are also penalties, and we can look in Mike McCarthy's direction as well for the Cowboys last season. Those are things people tend to generally lump onto coaching because it's your job job to police discipline across the team in a way that sends the message. Right, and, and, and I agree with you. But you mentioned Mike McCarthy making those mistakes. He's been doing this a long time. Hell, Andy Reid has been criticized for his game management at time, and he's a he's a you know Hall of Fame coach. So to I, so it would be. I think irresponsible of me to say, oh, Nathaniel Hackett can't do it because of these mistakes. Now, you get into and, – and you you guys know this from playing. What, what's one of the worst – a couple of the worst things you can do on the field is make a mental mistake because the one thing you can control is the playbook. 
knowing where you line up and knowing what your responsibility is. If a guy kicks your ass, that happens. You know what? If a guy's better than you physically on a play, that happens. If you line up in the wrong spot, block the wrong man, go in the wrong gap, that's on you. You should know that. And then what would be worse than that is repeating the mistake. So for Nathaniel Hackett, let's look next week, the week after, week seven, week eight, week 10. Are we still having these issues? Is it still going on? Is he still not learning from these situations? Then I think you can start to say, okay, do, do we have a bit of a problem going on here? And we know it doesn't matter, NFL, college, or whatever, the leash, it, there are no three- and five-year plans anymore. The, the leash is a lot, lot tighter on players, on coaches, on everybody to get your act going maybe sooner than sometimes it should. Yeah, well, especially because you're not going to have the luxury of saying, all right, well, we'll just nix the quarterback because you just went and locked yourself and tied yourself up to Russell Wilson for a good long time. He's going to be there. It's going to be whether or not the coach is going to be along there with him. Um, Speaking of uh, other places with issues, Dad, you had the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Yeah. They're one of the big games of the weekend, and I think right now looking at them in Green Bay, it's just trying to figure out who's going to be on the field for both these teams right now. Because if you look at the practice report from Thursday, four wide receivers from Green Bay showed up there. So much so that the team brought receiver Travis Fulgham to the practice squad and released a safety. But you had Randall Cobb did not participate, was dealing with an illness. You had um, who else is on here? Sammy Watkins showed up, was a did not was a limited participant Wednesday, didn't participate Thursday. Christian Watson, limited Wednesday, DNP Thursday. Alan Lazard, limited Wednesday, DNP Thursday. And then you have the other side, you know, still no David Bakhtiari yeah. coming back on that team. And then the Buccaneers, Mike Evans suspended. Chris Godwin's been injured for the first few games of the season. Julio Jones. Julio yep. Jones nicked up. Donovan Smith, who is back and was, I think, a limited participant on Thursday, but his backup who had been in there just got put on IR. So, right. I, I, Dad, from what you've seen from Tampa so far, how real are the offensive concerns? Is it as simple as they're just not healthy enough to function right now, or are we seeing the stress from Tom Brady bleed over onto the field? So I think what we're what we're getting out of Tampa Bay is the early Super Bowl years of the New England Patriots. Defense and running. You know, what, what Tampa's defense is phenomenal. And Leonard Fournette is on one right now. I mean, he feels as healthy as he as he ever has. He had such great stories, but when we did that game, he has, like all these guys, they have like um, personal chefs now. Well, he's a big gamer, like a lot of these guys are gamers. And he would he would game Fournette in the offseason until like 5 in the morning. And instead of then his personal chef making him breakfast, he would tell his personal chef, I'll see you at lunch, make me a good lunch, and he'd go to Waffle House. After gaming all night, he'd go over to Waffle House, and he certainly not on the the nutritional, you know. Uh, even though I think Amazing. Waffle House is fantastic, oh, it's great. Um, not what he was supposed to be get. eating. I absolutely love it. So, but but he is running well. Um, the line is is run blocking well. Um, pass blocking, they were struggling certainly against Dallas. Dallas had a really good defense. Micah Parsons was eating everybody up uh, in that game. But I think they're going to be led by defense and by Fournette, and they're going to fill in the gaps. Now, you see they, they brought in Cole Beasley uh, on the practice squad, so you know he's going to be elevated at some point. And we know Tom loved, you know, the slots, the you know, the Amendolas and the, the Wes Welkers and those. And, and so that's what Cole Beasley will be in that slot and be a reliable receiver at some point for him. 
But, I mean, other than that, I think it's basically hold your breath every week on who's going to be available. Julio Jones, when we did that game, that was game number one. One of the things Julio Jones had said to all of us was, this is this is as healthy as I've been in a long time. You know, an offseason where I really had no nicks to worry about, and then boom. I mean, you know, that's what happens when you've been in the league that, that long. You're going to get nicked up. So, again, I guess I put it on what I said about San Francisco. There is no team in the NFC that has stood head and shoulders above the crowd. Again, we're only two weeks in to where I say Tampa Bay can't be there. But Tampa Bay is not going to do it with the likes of throwing the ball around to Mike Evans and and Godwin and Gronkowski. Even if he comes back, we'll see. Uh, They're going to have to do it a different way. Can they still do it? I think they can because of their excellent defense, but it's certainly not going to be the way Tom wants. You know Tom wants to throw it everywhere. I guarantee you they were losing or they were winning in that game. I forgot what it was. It was nine to something or 12. It was all field goals, I believe. And I bet Tom, even though Dallas looked awful offensively, Tom had to be livid in that locker room saying, we got to put it in the end zone. You can't kick field goals you know, and win games, you know, you've got to be able to put it in the end zone and they haven't been able to do that very well. So, and, and I don't know how well they're going to be able to do it for the rest of the year. I think well enough to be somewhat there at the end, but I mean, you just cross your fingers on what receivers are going to be along for the ride. Well, are, do you still like the saints as much as you did preseason after two weeks? Man, I tell you what, I, I that, that one, I, I have to admit, I've gotten a few things wrong. <laughs> which uh, happens. Um, and and the, I was a little surprised. Uh, with, with the, I still like their defense. I do. Um, Jameis, you know, the one thing under, under um, um, Sean Payton is I knew he wouldn't throw a lot of interceptions because Sean would sit him. And he had, what, 14 touchdowns, three interceptions in the seven games he played last year before he got hurt. We'll see because you obviously you saw him what he did in Tampa and what he did at Florida State. Dude was just a gunslinger. He thought he could throw it through people and he'd throw a lot of interceptions. So if that becomes a problem, and we were all saying how good it was that they kept the head coach in-house and Doug Allen kept everything kind of the same, and that should help Jameis. But that's going to be the big thing to watch for me is Jameis going to start throwing interceptions. Yeah, and, and listen, Pete Carmichael's been there as the offensive coordinator for a long time. You can right. ask, how much do you have to do when Sean Payton's your head coach and Drew Brees is your quarterback? But he's been around in that system, but we know plenty has changed there. Teron Armstead off that offensive line and some of the moves right. there affects the way things go. There's still a unit that's, I think, blocked things up decently well through the beginning portion of the season. But for Tampa... It's so interesting how night and day it is from last year, especially on the pass defense front for them, just because they had been so banged up, some personnel changes. That was really the weakness of their defense that they've now been able to come back through. That's why the matchup with Green Bay is so fascinating, because right now that's a run-first football team, the way they want to be. They want to operate with that backfield first and foremost, whether it's passing out of it. And again, you're not going to be able to beat the hell out of uh, Tampa up front the way you beat the hell out of Chicago up front, but... That's clearly the directive right now, while the rest of this receiving core, which is young already and doesn't have a lot of time under task with Aaron Rodgers, but now is banged up and limping into this game where we're waiting to see who's going to be out on the field. This is, I mean, you know, I'm going to give my thick six later on for the picks for the weekend. The under in the Packers-Tampa game seems like a veritable certainty at this point mm-hmm. based on the walking wounded and the style of play going in. Let, let, let me tell you, I did the Packers game, Packers and, and, and um, Bears game, 
Sunday, last Sunday, when they have Jones and Dylan on the field at the same time, they did for 12 plays. First week they had them seven plays, and that'll grow. And when you have – imagine having Dylan lead blocking. He led block for Jones on a touchdown run on Rokon Smith, and it was such a mismatch seeing the thigh monster. I mean, A.J. Dillon's thighs are so jealous of them or unbelievable. But seeing him forget carry the ball but lead block then. I mean, it is – and you're right. there. And I even said it before that game when I gave my keys to the game. I said, they're while they're getting used to this wide receiver thing, they, now they got Lazard back that game. But I said, they're going to run the ball. And, man, they did. And they ran it extremely, extremely well. It was and, – and I agree they'll keep doing that. But – Obviously, you're going to have Aaron throw the ball. He's so friggin' accurate. It's ridiculous. I think one of the things, though, to, to maybe turn the page here for a second, see what you guys think. Some of the big talk this year had been two quarterbacks. They turned out to be Alabama quarterbacks, even though one was gone for one of the years, is are they going to be able to secure their spots and be the long-term futures of their teams? And that's Tua and Jalen, Hertz and, and Tungavailoa, uh, Miami and Philadelphia. And I tell you what, early on, I mean, they are both passing the tests. I mean, even though I think Jalen, I think Jalen only has uh, like one touchdown pass and one interception, I believe. So from from the passing side of it, uh, he's he's not doing it as much certainly as Tua is, who's out of his flipping mind right now. Yeah, Jalen has one one touchdown, one interception, but he runs the ball incredibly well. And so I, I think they're both actually doing well, Tua is throwing the ball. Atu has always been a short mid-range guy, had a little more trouble with the deep ball, underthrows it some. But now he's got a guy in Tyreek Hill and even Waddle who can bail him out when they need to. But here's what I get a little tired of is two weeks in, people still saying, oh, you know what, Tua, not, not that not, not that, that, that it's wrong to say they may not think he's the future, but still not giving him credit for doing what he's doing so far. You have to, Right. I mean, I know they, they got some more weapons for him. I get it. But he still has to be the trigger man for it. And, and he's doing a pretty nice job. You know, so you got it. Now, will that continue for 15 more games? We'll see. I think there'll be some up and downs. But you got to give him credit for what he's doing right now. So I think this reminds me a lot of, I would call it the, and I don't, I'll try and phrase this because I almost went the store brand route. This is like, a couple of standard deviation points down talent-wise. The same thing that we saw Buffalo and the Ravens doing for Lamar Jackson and for Josh Allen at the same time. Both those organizations, when they brought the quarterback in, said, we're going to put a bunch of stuff around you to try and access the things that you do really well. And we're going to try and support that while in Josh Allen's case, you grow and improve accuracy in a way that we've never seen. And in Lamar Jackson's case as Greg Roman figures out that, hey, you played in a Bobby Petrino offense in college and you can throw the rock out here, which we've seen so far this season. Both those organizations did that and allowed these quarterbacks who were already freakish talents, but we know plenty of quarterback talent gets ruined in the NFL by circumstance and staffs right. and the organizations. Miami and, uh, Miami and uh, Philadelphia have done the same thing. They've accented the things they do well. Nick Sirianni decided they were going to be a running team last year. And now that their O-line's healthy, it's one of the best in the league. And so it allows them to do all this. They brought over A.J. Brown, who is great over the middle of the field 
where we had right. seen Jalen Hurts a little more hesitant to throw the ball last year. And so, yeah, I, I think both of them have done really well for themselves. I heard Mita Kime say it. Jalen Hurts doesn't have to be great for that team to go and win a Super Bowl. No. That's nope. ca- the kind of roster they've got around there. With two in Miami, it's a little more interesting to me because I think you're right, it's going to be more boom or bust. And we saw that. They're capable of but, that fourth quarter they pulled off all the time. I don't think – my. Honestly, looking at this weekend, because it's Buffalo this weekend, so now everyone's kind of interested in the AFC East. I am going to pick Buffalo in the points until someone proves to me they can hang with this team. And I don't believe that's going to start this weekend because Miami also went into that fourth quarter down as big as they were. And this, especially on the back end, is a much more disciplined Buffalo Bills defense than what we saw in that secondary for the Ravens that spit the bit at the end of that game. And so... Until further notice, Buffalo minus five and a half is the play for me because I cannot look at them and say after you slay the defending Super Bowl champions and last year's one seed in the AFC like it was fucking nothing. This Miami team is going to have to show me a lot more before I'm going to believe anyone's within shouting distance of Buffalo. Right? I'll say this. Being in shouting distance of Buffalo doesn't mean you're uh, a bad football team or like I mean I'm sad no. because Buffalo is just so you know head and shoulders over everyone else so yeah I'm looking at this game yep. mainly because the biggest difference in my opinion between the Jalen Hurts and Tua Tagovailoa, like put, putting a team around him is the fact that the Dolphins went and got a head coach Mike McDaniels that that are McDaniel that is going that has been the difference maker yeah. for Tua Right. It, it's it's almost like what you just said about uh, Sean Payton and Drew Brees. Obviously, we know Drew Brees was talented before Sean Payton, but, you know, chicken and egg because because of how, how great Sean Payton has been. This guy might be actually very, very real. This Mike McDaniel guy. And obviously he has the weapons in, in Tua and he drafted very well. And that that backfield is just filled with those tweener type uh, running back wide receivers that are, are perfect for what he wants to do. But when he gets hit in the mouth, that's why this game is so much much more interesting to me. We're going to see him have to score points to even compete. And obviously Brian Flores was but, but, too much yeah. of a defensive-minded coordinator. Obviously we're seeing this with Marcus Freeman in Notre Dame a little bit. Defensive coordinator, defensive-minded head coaches coach a little bit differently. And Mike McDaniel is built for the NFL apparently. Hey, I mean, listen, I, I, Mike, I, I, I'm with you. I, I'm taking Buffalo in the, in the points until further notice. But I think in both of our DraftKings top five, I think we both had Buffalo one, and I think we both had Miami number five. Yep. So we had Miami uh, in the top five. So this is a great proving game for them because everybody and their mother, I still think, is going to take Buffalo in this one, and, and they're going to say this is a proving ground for a Miami team that between, you know, Edmonds and Mostert, they have 16 and 17 carries. They're the two guys. Hill and Waddle, they have 25 and 20 or, or 19 and 15 receptions. Next closest is five. They're the guys. So you clearly have defined who your guys are. And I think that's exactly what McDaniel wanted. So Tua, tell, uh, to tell Tua, these are your guys. These are the ones that are going to do the thing with the line blocking in front of you. So this is who we're going to ride with right now. And but but I I I, I hope it's a great game because I have I have no skin in the in the in the game at all. So I hope it's a great game. But I I still Buffalo is just the most complete team in the league to me right now. Well, and I I mean you talk about our top fives that we put out there. I tried to approach this. My thought process was similar to the college football playoff committee and looking at especially early in the season at head to head. 
kind of valuing who's undefeated, I still had the Chargers in there because they gave the number two team in my top five right. everything they could handle, and that was without Keenan Allen and with a quarterback who was playing the back half of that game with busted up rib cartilage. But with Miami, part of me wanted to rank Baltimore above them still because for three quarters and change in that game, they looked like the better team, and they looked like the better yeah, team yeah. handily. Yeah. And so that is like in my top five, Baltimore is sitting right outside of the club, just waiting to get in right now. Like they had a bad guy to girl ratio. And so we couldn't let them all in at once. And we're waiting for a few people to leave, but rest assured they're right outside. Yeah. Ours, ours was pretty close. I think we both had the same. We both had uh, the bills first, Kansas city, Philadelphia, and then you had the chargers and I had you had Tampa, Tampa Bay. Yeah. And then we both had Miami. And the Chargers, listen, I think are an excellent team. Justin Herbert's going to get to know the needle here, I would imagine, uh, tearing that cartilage. I did that the first game of a season. I forgot what year it was. And I, I got I got shot 13 weeks in a row. Ugh. Now, my position at D tackle is a little different than quarterback. But let me tell you, that shit works. He won't feel a thing. Now, the problem is afterward, do you do any more damage to it? And yeah, you feel like shit afterward. And he's a hell of a much more important player than, than I ever was and does you know a whole lot in, in throwing the ball. But it works. It's just a matter of do you go down that road? Do you want to let it heal on its own? Or do you want to go down that road and not missing any games? Because there's a way. And I don't know where people are in the league anymore with that. I know with the pain pills, that has taken a, a turn as well. And the needle, I mean, that's all stuff we did all the time. I don't I don't know personally how pre- prevalent it is. Uh, I'm sure it is to a point. I don't know how much anymore. Uh, but knowing it's the cartilage within the within the between the ribs, it is something that's manageable with uh, with the needle. And I know he was out in shoulder pads practicing. So what you do a lot of times is you test it during the week. Like I would take the needle during the week and see how it felt, see if I was I getting enough. Um, how was the pad then working over to make sure I wasn't feeling anything? Again, two different positions, two different types of players. I get it, but the same injury, you have to kind of feel it out and see how it's going to go. And then you have to get a personal decision on whether that's something you want to do or not. Yeah, at that one, and you talk about how that'll swing the outcome of the game. I mean, Chase Daniel, I think, was taking reps this week to potentially yeah. get ready. Jax is getting seven. Now, I understand they're going on the road, and this is a markedly better pass defense than the one they kicked the teeth in with the Colts. But all of a sudden, if it's Chase Daniel throwing the rock around back there, this is a different ball game. And that Jacksonville team, yeah, that's is. the only win in the AFC South right now, is a little yeah. bit more like yeah. the dog. So that's a, a line to definitely keep an eye on going towards the weekend based on what kind of injury news that we get yep. there. Going to be a fun one. Dad, uh, enjoy Sunday night football. Enjoy baby Jackson since you're out in Boston right now getting to hang with him. We appreciate the time, man. Hey, no problem. We had him out for a nice walk before and dinner. It's a lovely young man. He's already calling me Pappy, and he's only eight mo- eight weeks old. It's pretty impressive. The child is gifted, especially since but... he's Jake's baby. I figured he wouldn't be talking until he was like four. Boy, isn't that the truth? And then and then not talking well because Jake, you know. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's mean. I'm sorry. Did I say that out loud? You can edit that out, right, Brandon? <laughs> <laughs> Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. 
What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. All right, Brandon. We promised them they're back before we get to this, that, and the third to finish off everybody's week. It's Friday, which means it's time for picks. Um, did the math on the season. We are still trying to climb out of the cellar that really week two did uh, did me in last week. Two, three, and one on the pick six. I forget, actually, if I called it the pick six with two Cs or the thick six heading into the first podcast. One of those two. We'll go back and check the records eventually. The pick or work. thick six. Either yeah. works. Last week, uh, we got back out of the uh, gutter a little bit. Two, three, and one on the weekend. Uh, four, 12, and two overall on the season. So not great, which means... We're really going to try and get it back together this weekend. NFL picks, we're going to go three NFL, three college picks going into the weekend. NFL, Chiefs minus five and a half. These lines, by the way, all courtesy of DraftKings Sportsbook, if that needs to be said at this point. Um, Chiefs minus five and a half at the Colts. Colts pass defense, man or zone, can't stop anybody right now. I know they're getting Michael Pittman and Alec Pierce back in their wide receiver room, but that still doesn't feel like a team that is equipped right now. Protection's been an issue on the left side. I like the Chiefs getting a big win on that one, able to spread the love around against a much more porous defense than the one they faced against the Chargers. I have your Baltimore Ravens, minus two and a half on the road against New England. I think some of New England's past uh, defense numbers buoyed by the fact that they got to play the Pittsburgh Steelers last week, who clearly don't throw the football all that well. Uh, week one, Miami was able to throw the ball on them quite a bit. And I think Baltimore and this uh, Lamar Jackson passing offense will be able to do that too. That was a team that was much better than Miami for almost three and a half quarters of that game. I think they show up in New England. Cha-ching! Sorry, cash, I don't like as you cash, go through these. Cash. Yeah. And uh, last one for the NFL. We talked about it a little bit with Dad. Green Bay versus Tampa, under 42. I think this is going to be a sloppy game. We have a ton of guys on the injury report. It's going to be a little bit of a mashup there. That's why the line for this game, I'm going to kind of stay away from. Probably, you know, going to end up being more of a pick based on where most of these rosters are at. But I'll go under on this. I say it'll be a sloppy track uh, and both teams lean into the run, try and let their defenses go out there and win this thing for them and keep it nice and low. College football, we're going to go James Madison against App State. App coming off Ooh. a couple of big weeks. You take down Texas A&M. You survive Troy coming in with college game day in town. A lot of emotions. And here comes James Madison. Their first year moving on up to FBS. Doing really well. I think surprising a lot of people production-wise. They're getting seven points. So James Madison plus seven walking into App. I don't know if they win it outright, but they definitely have what it takes and have shown that so far to keep it close against an app team that if they can maintain focus through this, they're better college kids than me. I'll say that. I, I tell you what, you're a dangerous man picking that game. It's, it's basically a pick them, but I like, I like where your head's at. Yeah, hey, listen, James Madison getting a full touchdown feels like good money for me. Uh, the other one, USC minus five and a half versus Oregon State. This has been a wild one to see how close this line is. Oregon State's been able to throw it around a bunch. They have one of my favorite offensive lines in college football. But if it's down only at five and a half, feel like you got to go with the Trojans on this one. If this UST, USC team is who we think they are and Lincoln Riley and this offense that have been able to throw the ball around so well, I'll take the Trojans minus five and a half there. And then the last one, I'm really trying to get back into the win column here. So I'm going to go and uh, cop out with a prop bet. Tavion Thomas running back for Utah over uh, over a half a rushing touchdown. 
They're playing Arizona State. They're getting like – and this is a line I saw at the beginning of the week. Utah was favored something like 12 over Arizona State that had at that point just fired Herm Edwards. The line's at like 15 and a half now uh, of points being given to the Sun Devils. little too rich for my taste because things can get weird out in the desert for that team. But really bad rush defense from Arizona State. Utah team that loves to run the rock. Tavion Thomas is an absolute bowling ball of a man. Easy one there, trying to pad the stats. I'll make no bones about it. We'll try harder next week. So there is our pick or thick six. Hopefully you can cash that one into the bank. And when you do, and you got a little more money in your pocket walking around, take it on over to our friends at Knockaround Sunglasses. Brandon, these knockarounds, man, got me right for the summer, getting me even more right for the fall right now. I tried out a different oh my god. Oh my god. He's got them on hand at all times. You know what? So do I. Okay. Come on in. If you got some knockarounds, go ahead and knock around. These are for the YouTube audience, by the way. And again, I didn't say this off the top of the podcast. We got rolling pretty quick. But download, subscribe, rate, and review. Go to wherever you get your podcast. Five-star rating. <laughs> Check us out on YouTube so you can see the knockaround sunglasses. These are the ones I go running in all the time. They've got the uh, little rubber on the inside of the nose here so they don't slip, oh, side, yeah. or bounce. Shaking the hell out of my difference. head right now. They don't move. Yeah. Rock solid. That's because knockarounds polarized sunglasses, in addition to costing, right around just $30 per pair. They mm. also have great form like this that helps you for a run. Runner's World Magazine named them a 2021 editor's choice. You can get them in a variety of colors. If you're watching on YouTube, you see me and Brandon, very different styles, very different looks right now. That's because in Knockaround's custom shop, there's over a billion possible combinations that you can choose from there. They're lightweight. They have great clarity. Rubber nose like this, no slip, slide, or bounce. Knockaround sunglasses are high-quality polarized shades at a truly affordable price. Check out their huge range of shades at knockaround.com and use promo code GOJO at checkout. Very important. Going to get you 20% off at checkout. So again, knockaround.com, promo code GOJO, 20% off at checkout. Remove glasses to make a deliberate point. And that deliberate point is, Brandon, it is Friday. We want to end the week on a high note for people. we got very important things to get to on the way out of here. Do you know what time it is, Brandon? Absolutely, Miguel. Absolutely. And you know this about me already, so just bear with me. You know, I like my chicken fried. Cold beer on a Friday night. Mm. Pair of jeans that fit just right. And it's that in third. Nice. Hey, listen, short and sweet on a Friday. Nothing better. Get the people, as Marty Smith would say, to their cold beers out here on the weekend. I thought you were going to dip into colder weather for a second. I was going to start crying. It was going to be a whole episode. Great choice. Oh, no. Great, no, no, great no, Friday no. song. Great Friday. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Doubling up in a short amount of time, but it is tradition. Download, subscribe, rate, review, Gojo, wherever you get your podcast. Leave us a five-star rating and a review. And tell Brandon how much you want him to dip back into the Zach Brown catalog as we go along here into the fall. Since we are now officially in fall, we have gotten past the autumnal equinox of September 21st. We are in it now. Very excited to be very close. Libra season out here. Gang, gang. Uh, Brandon, speaking of things that happened last night, 
No 61st home run for Aaron Judge and the Yankees. Uh, he goes out there and continues a streak of walks all over the place. But the good news for the Yankees, they get a 5-4 walk-off win in the 10th against the Red Sox and clinch a playoff berth in the process. And while I am definitely a little bummed out for friend of the podcast, Adam Amin, who is on the play-by-play for this call with Fox, it has now set us up for a very special moment for this podcast because the Yankees' next game is going to be tonight if you are listening to this podcast on Friday, September 23rd. And part of tonight is the fact that this game is going to be broadcast, the Yankees and the Red Sox, on Apple TV Plus with our friend Katie Nolan. Brandon, this is a potentially electric moment, and it's one that doesn't come without um, interesting stuff around it because – the Yes Network and the Yankees had, I believe, actually put in the ask to have Michael Kay, who's the voice of the Yankees and the Yes Network, to actually step into the broadcast booth and try and pop in on this one because he's the voice of the Yankees, because this historic moment for the team and the franchise was one they wanted to potentially have him as a part of. And he said no. Steven Nelson, who has been the play-by-play with Katie Nolan along with Hunter Pence uh, in that crew, he said, "I wouldn't want to do that to Hunter. I wouldn't, or uh, I wouldn't want to do that to Steven. I wouldn't want to step on his moment. I would hate if someone did that to me." And so, there's gonna, I'm sure, be a bunch of workarounds, and they're gonna have cut-in rules and things that they put aside so that the ESPNs and Yes Networks of the world can go in on this game and bring it to everybody who's watching. But I love nothing more than the idea that Katie Nolan's voice could be forever associated with Mm. the moment that Aaron Judge uh, ties this home run record at 61, potentially on this Friday night. So podcast family, we need to put a full spirit bomb's worth of energy into our friend Katie Nolan and into Aaron Judge so this moment happens tomorrow night and so that we can have that sound and try and somehow get it cleared so we can play it on here for you guys the next time we have Katie around. I already texted her and told her, if this happens, she's got to completely shove Steven out of the way and just grab the wheel on this and make sure she is Mm. immortalized in history. Because that call is going Mm. to live forever. It's going to be one of the two calls. The tying call and the one where he hits 62 will live forever. And I want this so badly for our friend. Mike, this is uh, like when Jimmy G just sat back and the position ended up, the ball bounced his way. The ball bounced Katie's way. And I'm so happy for her. We talked about this on this podcast and that's why I think it's most important. We spoke into the existence and everyone else who listened to that podcast was saying it out loud and it was getting into the ether. And now it's real, baby. Aaron Judge, Katie Nolan. The f- mm. I just love that. I love that. We need to figure out a hashtag that people can tweet at Katie in support of this moment. Ooh, Judge Nolan. Judge Nolan. Ooh. Judge, Judge, Judge Nolan. No. Can you do numbers in hashtags? God, I sound end. like such an old. What are you going to do, Judge Nolan? Judge, I, Judge, Judge 60. Judge Nolan 61. <gasps> Judge Nolan 61. Oh, you could do it. Hashtag Judge Nolan 22. 61. <laughs> All right. <laughs> if you if you are within earshot of this podcast at this point, tweet hashtag Judge Nolan 61 at Katie Nolan and make sure she feels the love heading into t- tomorrow night. 
This is in the rivalry that has been the center of her life. We talked with her about being a Red Sox fan, calling these Yankees games. She mentioned how much and how much how likable Aaron Judge is. It's perfect. So if nothing else, tweet at Katie Nolan. Wish her good luck on this. We're all rooting for her. Could be a very exciting moment for Katie Nolan for baseball, nay, the world. Um, Brandon, let's get to that because that is uh, – my appreciation for a good troll has grown more and more as my years have gone on, especially working in this job. And I feel like Absolutely. that's what we got going on around the Dallas Cowboys right now. Um, because in the same day, we had two stories that I think somehow worked their way back to the Cowboys. First, former Saints head coach Sean Payton said in an interview with the New Orleans Saints podcast that he could be interested in returning in 2023 for the right situation and the right front office and organization. A How name in Sean Payton who has been so often linked to the Dallas Cowboys who are, you know, managed to steer and right the ship after the week one loss against Tampa Bay on opening night. But then comes the right hook. Jerry Jones, who is, I think, the premier troll. He is the Skip Bayless of NFL owners, Grand Poobahs, Masters Ooh. of Space Time continuing because Jerry Jones, when asked by the media about what we had seen going on so far with his quarterbacks here. Dak Prescott injured in week one against Tampa Bay. Cooper Rush comes in and helps them beat the Green or the um, Cincinnati Bengals in week two. And he said he wants Rush to play so well that there would be a controversy as to whether Dak would assume the starting role if he was healthy enough to play. Jones said, of course Damn, I right. would. Of course. That means we would have won. If he comes in here and plays as well as Pres Prescott played, Rush – played that well over the next games ahead, I'd walk to New York to get that. He referenced <laughs> the way that Dak played during the season that Tony was injured. He went on to say, well, of course, we want Dak to be here next. That's the thing. But Dak and I want Rush to lead the team to victory here and get another win and get another win. That's the way I'm looking at it. Back when Dak was playing instead of Tony, it was game by game. It wasn't the long look ahead we had after two months to look back. It was actually play-by-play, series-by-series. So do I think it's possible for Rush to come in here and play to a level to win games the way Prescott did when he took over for Romo? Yes, yes, I do. I certainly think that's possible. So, Brandon, this is a man who cannot stand not being in the news at all times of the day. That's all this is. Because what? he knows this isn't actually right. going to happen, and he doesn't actually want this to happen. And so he's just going out here to speak to this so that people, once again, you could see the shit-eating grin on his face here. Jerry Jones is Skip Baylessing us all right now, and I respect the hell out of it. But, man, it's got to be hard being a cowboy waking up think, all right, we managed to stop the bleeding after one week with Dak Hurt. Here comes right. a whole other batch of questions about what's coming up for us. Jerry Jones's shit-eating grin is his uh, resting bill face. Like it's just, it's just whatever. It's just what he usually does, and I think he does want a quarterback battle because there will be one. So he's trying to accept it uh, as a reality. And I'm so glad that that's what he referenced Tony Romo because that's exactly what I thought about. I was like, hey, we thought thought it was very silly when Jerry Jones was talking about the possibility of Tony Romo. Uh, coming back and competing with Dak because at that point in time, Dak had it locked up. This may be the same situation for Cooper Rush. Maybe we think it's silly that we're even talking about it. Maybe the, the Cowboys can get some money back on Dak if he, you know, if he gets traded away by the trade deadline or something. Like, I, I hate quarterback competition is healthy for a football team. 
I appreciate the fact that you hung around that Fox building to huff whatever fumes come out of the pipes there that leads to this kind of takery. I appreciate it being out in the universe. That's exactly what it is, man. Jerry wants to get us talking, and he always accomplishes the mission. Two great Cowboys tangent headlines for the day. Brandon, let's finish off with a nuclear football, though, because that's exactly what we got out of the world of college sports the other day. A University of Utah student was arrested. This is the third, by the way. A University of Utah student was arrested on Wednesday after she allegedly threatened to detonate a nuclear reactor on campus if Utah lost to San Diego State over that past weekend. According to police, the 21-year-old student allegedly posted on social media that if the Utes lost, she would be, quote, detonating the nuclear reactor on campus. After identifying and interviewing her, she was booked in Salt Lake City Jail for making terroristic threats. She was released later on Wednesday. The police said they have zero tolerance for those threats. For what it's worth, Utah defeated San Diego State 35-7. to And we now Man. hope that their running back scores at least one touchdown in this upcoming game. But, Brandon... We all looked at that and said, you know, made a lot of the same jokes. Like, all right, if you clearly don't care this much about your football team, do you even care? Neither of us has threatened any sort of nuclear explosion if Notre Dame doesn't go out and win. Have to wonder if we want it bad enough. Then people started asking the real question, which is, wait a minute. Why is there a nuclear reactor on Utah's campus? Then people started answering, asking the even more important question. Wait a minute. Utah can't possibly be the only campus with a nuclear reactor on it. And you Mm. would be right, Brandon. And thank you to um, Douglas Reyes uh, Saran, who is uh, the AV editor editor at Rose Room Company and the co-founder of uh, and one of the producers on the full cast After Dark here on uh, the Metal Arc. Wow. Excuse me. One of the co-producers of the full cast After Dark. Part of the great Metal Arc media family over there with our friends at the Shutdown Full Cast. Tweeted at me the full list of schools with nuclear reactors on campus. And so I just want to do this as a public service for everyone. If you were wondering, does my favorite school have a nuclear reactor on campus? Or in one very obvious case, too. Here are the following uh, schools that have chosen the nuclear option. Idaho State University, Kansas State University, MIT, NC State, Ohio State, Oregon State, Penn State, Purdue, Reed College, Rensselaer Polytechnic, this one I appreciate because they just decided to wear it, Rhode Island Nuclear Science Center. We knew they probably had something. The University of California, Davis, the University of California, Irvine, Florida, Maryland, Massachusetts, Lowell, Missouri, Missouri S&T, New Mexico, Texas, Austin, Utah, Wisconsin, Washington State, and, drumroll please... Actually, I got a real one if you'd like. The only campus with two reactors, Texas A&M, because of course. Why does that that make perfect sense? Because everything about Texas A&M is excess because Jimbo Fisher has an insane contract done up by a super agent. That has him about $85 million guaranteed on the books for them. Brandon, the only thing I could think of all this is the next time Nick Saban is in front of the Alabama Touchdown Club or whatever group of boosters he's in front of, he's going to be chiding them about the fact that Alabama does not have a nuclear program on par with the other universities. And if they want to go out there and go down to Texas and have another nail-biter of a win because Texas has a nuclear reactor on campus, then they can just sit and let that happen and let this program fade into anonymity. 
I listen, I'm I with this story, I can do nothing but think about uh, a friend of the podcast, Jessica Smantana, and her tweet that said, and people say girls don't care about football. Tell ya. She was ready to go for it. And let me, t- as someone who is currently reading Midnight in Chernobyl about the nuclear disaster in Chernobyl in Ooh. Ukraine, let me tell you, the whole book is basically about negligence and about how a bunch of people not operating by safety standards and operating machinery that probably wasn't assembled in a safe way anyway. All sounds like things that could absolutely be replicated on a college campus. So everyone, please be careful. It's football. It's a game. We don't need to escalate this to any certain point here. The last thing we want is a nuclear standoff between SEC teams, because if there's anyone that worries me with their finger on the trigger for that, it's the Southeastern Conference as we currently sit. So arm yourself with knowledge. We have given you those. So now that you know, if you're making a visiting trip to some school, you're ready for a football weekend, maybe talk a little bit less shit drunk in the parking lot when you know they got the nukes on campus. That's all I'm saying. It's a long list, Mike. That is a long list. Hey, listen, all we can do is arm people with knowledge. The rest is up to them. We appreciate you sticking around to get this nuclear game. If you enjoyed it, make sure you download, subscribe, rate, review, Gojo, wherever you get your podcast. Five-star rating, review, unsubscribe, resubscribe. Tell a friend this weekend. Find a buddy and say, hey, I think I got this podcast that you're probably going to like here. I had no idea that college campuses had nuclear reactors on them. And then they told me, and now I'm better off for it. And then have them download, subscribe, rate, and review as well. Five-star rating, review, Head on over to the Gojo uh, playlist on the DraftKings YouTube channel. Subscribe to that so you can see our bright, shining faces. Thanks so much. Be safe. Have a great weekend. We'll talk to you Monday. Y'all come back now. Ow! Woo, woo, woo! Woo! Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.